Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space with a specific focus on folks who identify as women. Welcome to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Crash, and today I am joined by a special guest co-host, Danielle Simone Brand, who is one of my favorite writers and authors, and she wrote Weed Mom, the Canna-Curious Woman's Guide to Healthier Relaxation, Happier Parenting, and Chilling. Am I saying TFO? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I guess you can say the fuck out and you're <laughs> whatever um, you want. <laughs> but and chilling, I'll I'll read it like Alexa and chilling TF out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So today we're going to talk about normalizing cannabis use amongst parents and how the pandemic seems to be impacting the fight against stigma and other harmful uh, practices. Um, Clearly, parenting and cannabis is a very complex issue. There are many layers and many things to consider. There are a lot of issues to discuss surrounding this. Um, And that is why this will be a multi-part series. And Danielle will be joining me for all of it. And I cannot be more excited because I've been wanting to dive into this for some time. And I'm so excited about your book and that you're here. So um, hi. Hi, Hi. Danielle. (laughs) Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. I am as well. And we're going to start before we get, before we dive into that weighty fun topic. (laughs) Um, We're going to start with our regular segment, which is fave pot and fave not pot, where we discuss our fave, favorite cannabis related item at the moment and our favorite non-cannabis related item. So I'm going to start with my fave pot item which right now is Brooklyn Hemp Company's raw hemp flower oil. And I'm a big fan of full-spectrum tinctures. Yeah, me too. Big right? time. I've never tried raw hemp oil before, and I expected it to be, you know, pretty intense flavor-wise. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was very light. It's... um you have to hold it under your tongue for a minute before you swallow it, but it's really great for my migraines and it's been helping with my um, digestive issues. So I highly recommend that. And I'll have the link in the notes for that. Uh, Danielle, what's your fave pot at the moment? So, okay. There's so many things I hate about this moment. (laughs) There are also many things I love. Um, So I got a box of goodies from White Fox um, which is a full spectrum CBD maker in um, California. Mm-hmm. And I am just loving their stuff because it's, it's full spectrum. Like you were saying, um, there are tinctures, muscle rubs, massage oils, like all kinds of stuff that, and each formulation has herbs. So it's like the synergistic effect. It's the CBD and the herbs together that like, you know, help produce whatever effect it is like tranquility or, um, you know, uh, energizing, whatever. There's just so many different options, and I love how they're how they're formulated. Just like consciously, really well crafted. Lots of love goes into them. Small batch, all that good stuff. Nice. Um, we've actually had the founder of White Fox on here before, so. Oh, cool. 
cool. Scarlett. Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't interview her, but yes, she has been on the show before. So my fave not pot at the moment um, is Thrive Market. I don't know if oh, you've yeah. ever used it, Danielle. Um, I have. But you have or you haven't? Yeah, I have in the past. I haven't recently, though. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I just really like that, you know, it's an e-commerce membership-based retailer, but they have um, sustainable practices. They have all of their packaging is recyclable. They donate a membership to a low-income family for every membership that is signed up. That's cool. And they're, yeah, and they're not sponsoring us. If they want to, they can. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that you can track, you know, which, you know, where the brands are coming from and things like that. And it it is, um, I think it's a little bit easier to be more of a conscientious shopper when you have things like this. So, yeah. That's my Yeah, that's super cool. I remember using them and now that everyone's shifted to e, you know, e shopping. Yeah. It feels like a good time to maybe, you know, check them out again. That's what drove me to it. It's like, okay, let me share all right. If they were sponsoring another podcast I listened to, so again. <laughs> right. If, if anyone from Thrive is listening. Um <laughs> but I said, all right, I'll try it out because it was like a free week or something. I used a code and uh I love it. So yeah, definitely check them out. Um what is your fave not pot, Danielle? So my fave not pot, it's not a product, but it's just the fact that um, during the pandemic, my husband and I get to parent much more equally than we normally do. And that's really, oh. really nice. Like you nice. Know, he, he works at home now. He was working in an office before and he does the same job now at home. And, you know, we're, we're virtually schooling with our kids. And so he and I can kind of like tag team and trade off throughout the day. And it's like this this dream that I had before becoming a parent about like equally co-parenting and 50-50, everything. It just didn't, you know, play out for the first several years of being a parent. Yeah. And so, you know, a little silver lining in this big old mess <laughs> is that my husband is around. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm always looking for the silver lining these days because wherever you look, it's just a... Uh garbage fire yep. <laughs> so you're just like okay I need to find the silver lining uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that I is know. really awesome I love that and 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 that is so true like when my husband does get off even though he still has to work when he's home um it is such a different atmosphere and my son is so much happier and it's um like you said it is so much better when you can show your children you know how parenting I shouldn't say should be, but, you know, to have equal partnership and to have that, um, the roles not be gendered, (laughs) you know, and to say, here is, uh, how this should be. This should be a partnership if, if possible. And, um, that's pretty awesome. I'm glad that you're getting that opportunity. I'm sure it's very trying at times all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) you have to grab those, uh, those positive moments when you can. For sure. That plays really well into what we're going to talk about today. Um, so the the weird thing about pandemic, the pandemic, is that um, what I'm seeing is that in both research and anecdotally, there is a lot more use of cannabis right now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a huge increase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even with the concerns, um, 
people have about coughing and things like that. Right. That's only really affected sales of things like vapes. Um, edibles have gone up. The uh, the consumption sales. People are, I feel, are being more open about their uh, consumption. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. And I think that like this is playing into a different conversation. You know, I mean, we're so used to talking about the stigma that surrounds parents and and especially mothers who use cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the one hand, it's a little more challenging or a lot more challenging now to find times to take breaks. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later, like how that looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But also, on the other hand, I think it's also opening up an opportunity to have conversations with our children that are very honest and also have conversations with people who are opposed to this for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, stigmas are, are starting to fall away even more quickly than they were before during the pandemic. And that's in part because, you know, <laughs> people are just accepting that this yeah. is hard. This is a hard moment. And, you know, ways that we can support ourselves, you know, and to be present, to let go of our anxiety or our depression or, you know, our just fear about living at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- these are helpful things. And cannabis is not a drug in the sense that it's going to change our personality or the way that we, you know, the way that we are in the world. But what it can do, I think, is just kind of make a one or two degree shift in the way that we perceive our situation, the way we interact with our kids. And that's huge. Like in a moment that is stressful for everybody, that is something that we need. So right. yeah, I think that's why, why stigma is falling away. I mean, of course there are other reasons too. The fact that people are home more, right? <laughs> the yeah. fact that they're, you know, hanging out maybe with their partners more than they used to <laughs> because everybody's working and chilling and schooling at home. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, having access is also a very big part of it. Um, And I think that now that more states are opening up medical programs and making it easier, a little bit easier for people to have access, um, that's a big part of it. But um, just to quote some some numbers a little, just a little, so that it doesn't sound like we're just talking. (laughs) I'm just making things up here. But um, so, and and thank you for giving me these uh, facts. 28% of those consuming more cannabis during the pandemic report that it's because of anxiety, roughly 25% say because of loneliness and 24% say it's because of depression. That's right. um, Yeah. And you actually did a survey uh, for your book, which is incredible. And I can't wait for it. But um, so let's talk about this survey that you uh, conducted in May, correct? Yes, this was in May. So definitely pandemic uh, time here. Um, but, you know, but earlier on, and I was I was curious about um, cannabis and socializing, like how uh, moms who are already using cannabis, you know, but whether for medical or recreational reasons, like whether they or maybe both, because that's really the overwhelming majority of users, I think, are using it for some kind of medical or wellness issue as well as for, you know, the enjoyment that they get. So anyway, I was I was curious about how they socialize with cannabis or whether they whether they do socialize. And um so I found that 60% of my respondents um, have either quit drinking alcohol or drink significantly less and starting to use cannabis. And that wasn't a big surprise, but you know, that's, that's a big number, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I there's wonder a lot of- how, 
I'm yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I just wonder how many of those continue on because, like, I wonder if they switched from alcohol because of the pandemic or if, you know, because I feel like some people are are choosing are a little more mindful with their choices when it comes to, well, cannabis might be a better choice when I'm, you know, stuck in the house with a bunch of people. <laughs> right, right. And I wasn't comparing before and after the pandemic necessarily. It was kind of just sort of what are your habits? But um you know, but generally speaking, I think that um, people are becoming more aware of the after effects, you know, and also even the some of the immediate effects. Like, uh, I don't know about you, but when I drink wine, which I like the taste of, I definitely enjoy mm-hmm. alcohol, but I feel sleepy kind of right away. Right. <laughs> I feel less able to like do what I need to do, get up and engage with my family. And I feel so crappy the next day that it's just not worth it. Even, no. you know, if I'm enjoying it at, at the moment, like to me, I, I do have a, an autoimmune disease, um, a, a minor one, but I, I feel a huge difference when I drink. Right. Yeah. I think that definitely, yeah, that plays into it. I, I have a couple of autoimmune di- dis- diseases. And I think that once you separate that out of your life, because I haven't really had alcohol in almost two years and it's. I think maybe once I had a a couple of glasses of wine one day, but I mean, it's, (laughs) I used to drink wine quite frequently. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm just like, every time I think to buy it, I'm just like, Oh, it just messes with my stomach and my ulcers. And, you know, yes, I sound like I'm nine years old, but (laughs) when you start making better decisions, or I should say more mindful decisions about, you know, what you're putting in your body. And I never thought I'd say those words, but they, I said them. I totally support that. And, you know, I, I understand it sounds buzzy and annoying sometimes to, to, to talk that way, but, you know, there's there's a lot of truth to, you know, when we pay attention to our bodies, our bodies teach us stuff about how to treat, you know, about how to treat ourselves. And becoming a parent really makes you say all the things that you would never say, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> especially the buzzwords and, and you start saying, okay, <laughs> I guess I have to do this now, you know, and... Um, But yeah, so back to this survey. Um, Now, you were saying that um, you found that a full 92.68% of moms say they felt better the day after using cannabis than the day after using alcohol. So that just proves our point right there. Yeah. And again, no big surprise. What's that? That's what I like. The mo- I like making a mocktail, even though that's another thing I thought I would never say, and I always made fun of in my brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love funny. using like the infused elixirs and um, mixing them into you know your iced tea or something like that. I feel like that's, that's so right. much better, so much more satisfying than drinking some alcohol. Yeah, I agree too. And you know, someone that I, one of the um, weed moms that I <laughs> that I interviewed. Um, a woman who actually goes by Weed Mama, um, and she's in Canada. Her website is weedmama.ca. Um, her name is Shannon, and she talks about how, like, if you use cannabis properly, you feel better when you take it, and then it, the effects wear off, and you feel normal. And that's just so different from alcohol. Whereas, you know, you might feel a little better while you're drinking alcohol, or you could you could feel worse as well. You know, it could make you sleepy, it could make you irritable or angry, all those things, and then. When it wears off, you feel worse. And that's, you know, that's a real, I think, important distinction is sort of the the long-term effects and the after effects of using these two substances. Right. And, you know, to speak to the long-term effect a little bit, um, 
and how things are changing now. So in your book, I know that you explore um, safe consumption practices, responsible use, which is a big deal. Um, But what I keep thinking about and what I see on Instagram, Facebook and things like that, I'm wondering, because we're all stuck in smaller spaces now and because, you know, we don't get to take the breaks, how many people are consuming in front of their children? is that so terrible in some situations? You know, I mean, I use my packs in front of my son. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I use the puffco in front of him, and he thinks that this the vapors look cool. So you know, that could be problematic. I don't know, <laughs> depending on how I handle it. I guess you know he's only two years old, so it's hard to really have a discussion with him. But what did you come across when you were writing your book? When when uh, you had these discussions? You know, I found that it varies a lot um, and it varies partially on the age of of kids. It varies on whether, you know, moms are in a legal state or an illegal state. You know, it varies depending on their their co-parenting situation, whether they're, you know, co-parenting with an ex, for instance, who doesn't look kindly on it. You know, there are all kinds of like these other issues involved. And obviously skin color is, is an issue too, because black and brown women in this, in this country are, you know, way more stigmatized, way more penalized for the same exact things that, you know, white mothers do. Um, So, you know, it really does depend. And I, you know, so there is a, there, there's a nurse, her name is Marissa Fratoni. You might know her. Yes. She's she's a deep friend of the podcast. She's been on several times and I've, interviewed her for, uh, for a couple of articles well not a couple of several articles <laughs> I love That's Marissa right. I remember yeah. I actually I think you introduced me to that mom's group that <laughs> 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 um, she's an admin of so um so she had a really thoughtful thing to say about it and you know her her comparison was you know I at parties people think nothing about you know I mean in back in the days when we used to be able to go to parties right um people would think nothing about you know chugging beer or wine or whatever and kids were present and it's not a big deal um but there's but cannabis is still so stigmatized um in front of children and you know but she was saying I don't condone smoking in front of children but you know we have to think about how to normalize it in a way that makes sense and, you know, this long history of prohibition and these like weird attitudes that we grew up with around cannabis from, you know, if you grew up in this country, you probably got the D.A.R.E. program at some point and you heard just say no and all these anti-drug um, slogans and programs that that lumped cannabis in with heroin and, and cocaine and meth and like all these other substances. And, you know, it's clearly nonsensical. Um, and so, you know, there's just we have hang ups. We all have hang ups about it, even if you know, we know the cannabis is a healing plant and a healthy, you know, way to recreate. So, you know, it just depends, I think. I don't, I also don't condone um, smoking in front of children, but, you know, my kids are eight mm-hmm. and 11, well, almost eight and almost 11. And they 100% know what cannabis is and they know, you know, right. much of the time that I'm going to go step outside to our shed and, <laughs> and smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know that, I'm actually like way cooler and way more fun to be around afterward. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. 
so you know but but i but i i micro and moderate dose around my kids and i think that that's important to always know your limits to know you know how much helps you engage better with your family and in your home life and how you know and, and what kind of dosage helps you you know doesn't help you do that like the kind of dosage i might take to go to sleep is not the same kind I would take to hang out and play a board game with my family, you know? Right. Yeah. Did you come across anyone in your research who didn't think anything of consuming in front of their children? Um, you know, so I, I interviewed moms of older kids, like in their, you know, late teens and twenties and up who were like, yep, you know, it's cool. We, we either smoke together or they know about it and they're fine with it. Um, with younger ones, it was more, um, mostly, moms were saying things like, well, I'll discreetly take, take a hit from my vape and I'll tell them what it is, but I'm not going to, you know, openly smoke or show them my, you know, show them flour or things like that. So that does vary. But I did also come across plenty of moms who were like, look, I don't flaunt it, but I don't hide it either because I don't want them to one day hide things from me. That, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. So I think that makes a lot of sense too. It just depends so much again, like on where you live and what your you know parenting situation is and, um, you know, your job, all these, all these factors. Right. That's the thing. There's so many factors about it. And if we could just unravel those factors and dismantle the systems that <laughs> keep us from having these really honest conversations, you know, we wouldn't really have to worry about that in the first place. Right. right. But unfortunately we do. So it's like, where do we start? You know, where do we start to have the conversation? Like, this is okay. It's just a plant, but then also say, but you can't have that right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, yeah. that's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, where do you, how do you navigate that conversation? So it's just a plant, but it's also medicine, but right. you can't have it right now. Right. And, you know, and I know that you and I are going to talk about this in more detail, probably in a future episode, because I think that there are really smart age appropriate ways to talk to different, you know, types of, to different ages of kids. Like, you know, the, the conversation you're going to have with a teen is really different from what you're going to have with a toddler. And then there's everything in between. Um, right. Yeah. So there, I, I'm really looking forward to unpacking that conversation because I learned so much. Yeah, I bet. So uh, let's talk about what some of the biggest takeaways were in your research for your book um, about why parents and especially mothers are using cannabis and why they're willing to put themselves in a situation where they have to face stigma and even even worse um, consequences possibly for using this plant. Right. So one of the main things that we talked about is, of course, recreating. And that's something that you and I just covered. And, you know, the comparison to alcohol, basically, that, that for many women, cannabis is... Like, it feels like a healthier alternative to take the edge off. And we all have edges as parents, like, and especially in a pandemic, you know, being at home all the time, working at home, possibly parenting 24 seven, possibly helping your kids through virtual schooling, possibly holding up your own job at the same time. There's so much going on. And so we, we need a way to relieve stress. And cannabis, of course, is not the only way to relieve stress. And I wouldn't recommend it as like your only go to, but you know, it alongside things like, you know, exercise and yoga and meditation or whatever else you like to do, I feel like cannabis can really go a long way toward making you just happier, improving your mood and making home life easier. So there's that. Um, 
you know, and, and, and the whole idea of cannabis as a way to shift your, your mood or your headspace came up a lot in my research, like, you know, shifting from work brain to family brain or from, you know, uh, from mom brain to sexy brain, like for, you know, hanging out with your partner later. So, you know, so sex is another important issue that I think, you know, a lot of moms struggle finding time for or finding the energy for or just like having the like interest in home for after you know once you have a one or many small beings who want a part of your body all the time <laughs> right um, when you're a parent that's how it is so the idea of um you know using cannabis judiciously like the right amount the right moment to enhance your sex life is something that a lot of moms really resonated with um, so there's that um, there's also sleep, which is super, super important, as we all know, to just functioning. Um, uh, finding the right strain for you or the right tincture or edible um, can really help, you know, falling asleep, staying asleep. And these are things that moms talked about really frequently. Um, and that's, you know, kind of a wellness use, I suppose, even though my book is focused on the recreational or fun stuff. Um, and then pain, of course. And, you know, I, I don't get deeply into the medical side for, uh, of cannabis, but, you know, these, these OTC things, these over-the-counter things we might reach for, like, you know, an ibuprofen or an aspirin if we have a headache or cramps or, you know, aches and pains, that's the kind of thing that cannabis can, like, really help support. It helps support your endocannabinoid system and, you know, helps your body relieve pain in a much more natural way anyway. So, you know, that, that's another really common use for, for the moms that I spoke with. Yeah. And, and what were some of the um, biggest barriers to access that you came across in your research? Well, um, so living in a legal state um, or an illegal state makes a huge difference in terms of mom's comfort. And I found that about 33% of moms felt like they would use cannabis more frequently if it were legal um, federally or in their state. Um, so, you know, that, that's absolutely a consideration because if you're a parent, you, you know, you don't want to go to jail, quite obviously nobody does, but if you have people who, who rely on you, this is a really important consideration. Yeah. And with the election happening right now, I mean, I know that I said we wouldn't go too deep into politics, but you know, it does bear mentioning because it affects every aspect of your life, especially when you're a parent, because it can it can threaten your job. It can threaten your custody arrangement. It can threaten your well-being because if you're not allowed to take the medicine anymore, which I have interviewed so many pregnant mothers who were forced, and I was one of them, who had to stop taking the medicine that made me um, able to function, you know, basically mm -hmm. without vomiting, you know, uncontrollably and all that. Um, so it affects like every element of your life really. And so to see the, um, debates go on and to have them not even mention cannabis is a huge slap in the face, but it also makes it e the barrier even stronger, um, in, for the people who are curious. And that's why I think that your book is so important right now. And well, always, but especially I think it's coming out at the very right moment because there are many people who are very, very curious, but they're also terrified and for very good reason, you know? 
Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so did you did you happen to hear when um, Harris, when Kamala Harris said that they would decriminalize? Oh, yes. under? Yeah, that was really a cool thing to hear in the VP debate. Obviously, in the presidential debates, we heard nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, yes, we did see. And I feel like, though, she might have only mentioned that because of her ties, uh, that she's trying to get the cannabis industry on her side right now, which is fine. You know, I would love to see just a much bigger uh, proposal actually make you know it all the way through that would be a lot more exciting <laughs> I agree I, I definitely agree but I also think I mean, there's there is hope I mean Harris has changed her position over time for sure right and you know more act that she has co-sponsored to remove cannabis schedule one to expunge records to reinvest in communities that were most impacted by the war on drugs you know particularly communities of color you know, I get that that seems like uh, she's trying to court the vote <laughs> on this specific issue. Um, but I think that it is a clear signal that they have um, changed, changed course on it. And, um, you know, so it's encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> <You're> not <laughs> not I am, I'm trying to be more hopeful. I'm voting. So that's, you know... <laughs> Yeah, that's showing that I, I'm being hopeful on my my end. But um, yeah, and, you know, it is what it is. Is all I can say at this point. I'm hoping it moves the needle a little bit. But we've been hoping for a long time. And you know, there are some big things that are happening, possibly with New Jersey. We'll see how it all goes. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in New Jersey. I mean, that looks good to pass the recreational ballot initiative. And if that did. I feel like that could be a, a domino effect for the whole right. region, you know? Yeah, that would be New awesome. We're talking to you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. even when something like that happens, unfortunately, one thing I found in my writing about this particular topic, um, being parenting and cannabis, is that even if you are in a state where adult use is legal, you can still lose custody of your child because Child Protective Services or DCF or whatever it's called, wherever you are, um, mm-hmm. has pretty much unchecked power <laughs> when it comes to things like that. And the terrifying part of it is that they don't need a parent's permission to adopt a child out to someone else. That's just crazy. They take your child away and you don't um, follow, you know, the if you don't go through the, the hoops that they make you go through and the time that they make you go through them, then you lose custody of your child, perhaps permanently. So it's just... Um, that right there, it's like even with, you know, decriminalization, it, 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 these systems that affect um, children and parents, because it's not just the parents, you know, the children are going into a system that is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is no other way to say it. I mean, they're, they, they are subjected to abuse and um, all all different types of terrible acts. So, you know, I could go on and on about that, but it's just like, we have to have that conversation more frequently as well. You know, it's like, as we're talking about how it affects um, criminalization in the sense that people are being incarcerated. Yes. People are definitely still being incarcerated um, and people of color at much higher rates, mm-hmm. but also there's another form. There's the other side, you know, there's, there's children being taken into custody and never being seen by their parents again, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's, I, I don't know what the word is, but it's, 
it needs to be changed. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my, I mean, my, my heart like hurts so much for, for parents, for moms who have gone through that kind of injustice, you know, for using a plant, for using something that should be federally legal to begin with, never should have been illegal for something that supports their health and well-being in a way that, you know, that legal substances do not. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. And, you know, for the book, when I was researching just all sorts of cannabis topics, the history of prohibition was so interesting to me and just how, you know, how rooted in racism it is. Um, you know, the history of prohibition of the war on drugs in this country is just like a horrible example of racist policy making it into law. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, with these other, with these agencies, you know, like I said, they have unchecked power and I, I've heard some of the most like gut-wrenching stories, but one that I will just quickly touch on just to show how much they don't care about you. (laughs) Um, So one woman who um, I interviewed, she was giving cannabis to her daughter because she had an incurable brain tumor and they and the child protective services um, had opened a case on her because someone, some friend or somebody, you know, was being nosy and and just wanted to basically make her life more difficult. Well, anyway, they continued the investigation of her, even though they found that there was, you know, nothing at foul, you know, foul at play or anything like that. Um, well, her daughter passed away, and they came to her house the day after she died. And were there to investigate her and threatening her custody of her of her dead child. I mean, it, it was yeah, yeah. And then when she told them that, the only thing that they did was they wrote like a, a letter after a couple of months because she made some noise about it on social media, apologizing for their error. Mm. I mean, That's it's just, just horrific. Yeah. When she, when I, when I heard that, I just, oof. I mean, you know, and, and they were, they were still going to continue the investigation. Is the thing, you know, until she made noise about it because she's a writer and she. But anyway, I mean, they just really don't care about the well-being of your children or you. So you have to be your own advocate, just as you are in in the healthcare system. You know, right. I mean, there's just. All these um, industrial complexes exist, you know, to keep us from being able to live our best lives, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) But but in the meantime, (laughs) while we're waiting for them to be dismantled, we can still have conversations. We can read content that is um, filled with accurate information and stories of people who are going through similar things that we're going through. So I really appreciate that you have done the work for that and that you're providing such an amazing book um, for everyone to be able to have access to. Thank you so much. It was fascinating to to research this book. And, you know, I did over 100 interviews with everyday moms who enjoy cannabis and with tons of experts and you know, doctors and policy people. And, you know, the, the picture that emerged for me is that like, this is a substance that we can use in a conscious, creative, responsible way to like really enhance, you know, that, that moms have, you know, and I, I think that moms in particular, like we're on the front lines in many ways of like the conversations that are being had in the family um, and, and in society, you know, so 
I have a chapter on talking to kids about cannabis, which we'll cover in a different episode. I have a chapter on um, talking to social your social circle and socializing with cannabis. I have um, a chapter on partners and even, you know, dealing with when your partner can't or, you know, doesn't want to partake, um, you know, all these sorts of things. And even talking to older generations, our parents and other older people in our lives, because cannabis is here to stay, <laughs> you know, thousands of years of history have shown it's not going anywhere. People benefit from this plant and, you know, and love this plant. And so we have to figure out ways now that it's increasingly legal and increasingly mainstream to talk about it. Like, how do we, you know, how do we normalize this? How do we um, educate ourselves and other people about, you know, about responsible use? All these things are so interesting to me and so important right now. Yeah, absolutely. So to end on a really positive note, (laughs) (laughs) um, let's, what was the thing that made you the most hopeful while you were doing the research? Oh, that's an interesting question. Okay. The most hopeful. Um, the proliferation of uh, information and um, and people's ability to you know to really seek out a tailored experience, I think, from cannabis is, is really encouraging right now. You know, it used to be in the days of prohibition, it was like if you had a dealer, they had pot or they didn't have pot, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's like thousands of possibilities of you know products and strains and ways of of cons- consuming. And, you know, ways of consuming for specific effects and things that we need, you know, information about microdosing and moderate dosing and just like there's so much more science and research. We still need more, obviously, but there's just so much contributing to the conversation now. And I think that moms are more empowered than ever before to like figure out, you know, like to to decode the marketplace. And that's really what I want the book to do is to help decode that legal marketplace. Yeah, because you're, it's not just for people who are cannabis curious. It's for people who have been around the block. I mean, I've, I've been consuming cannabis for uh, 20 something years. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, and I am like one of these people who can really benefit from this book because I'm still, you know, going, oh, what? There's dabs? What are dabs? Like, I'm just learning about the things that I was like, before, I just thought, you know, you just smoked and sometimes you had edibles and that was awesome. Like, that's the life I was living up until a few years ago. So, um, (laughs) and now it's like a whole new world. And I remember saying not even 10 years ago, like, whoa, what if they have infused water, you know, and that'd be amazing. And now it's like, yeah, what kind do you want? Right. (laughs) Which brand? What flavor? Um, so there is so much to, uh, to be hopeful about on that end of things, for sure. There is a lot more creativity, I think. And now that people are looking at it like a holistic experience, you know, it opens up a lot more avenues for application, you know, like, yeah, uh, topicals, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked a bit of, yeah, it's, you know, and uh, especially topicals for sex, that can be something that, um, you know, is game changing for some women. Right. Sex life. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the applications are kind of endless. And it's super cool to see how, you know, there's more information out there, people are learning more, people are willing to try different, you know, it's it's not like, you know, I, oh, I, I tried, I tried weed once 20 years ago in college and it wasn't for me. I just didn't like the way it made, made me feel, you know, I, I hear people say that once in a while, but now 
there's just so many more, so much more variety, so many more ways to consume. And, you know, like I was saying, ways to consume for specific effects. And that's not like a one size fits all. You do have to like figure out your own endocannabinoid system, as you right. know. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even mess with hy- uh, well, hybrids I can, but sativa, phew, if I do straight sativa, it's not good. <laughs> Oh, so bad. So bad. It makes me spin out into like an ADHD flurry of just, I don't even know. It's not good. (laughs) Yeah. And I know tons of people like that, but I love sativas, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was a time where I think it did work. And I think, you know, like you're talking about, there's so many different products now. I think that it's hard to keep track, you know, so some of them aren't so bad, but I don't really want to risk it anymore, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I get it. So, but yeah, it is pretty cool. And I was thinking when you're talking about it, like your book and how women are feeling more empowered. And I was just thinking about like the sixties when women wouldn't have been empowered to talk about cannabis and how they were rubbing it all over themselves and (laughs) and eating it and drinking it. But then they could get like injections of B12 and um, all the other drugs that they didn't even talk about and and then pop seconals and two and alls and mm-hmm. drink a martini while they're pregnant and nothing was said about it at all right. <laughs> it was written in books like it was completely normal right. and that was normalized pretty quickly so i would i would even say in some ways it's still normalized you know, um, not taking second alls while you're pregnant, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, pharma and meds, and yeah, and absolutely, yeah, but, yeah. Like I, when I was pregnant, my doctor or my um, uh, what do you call them, midwife? midwife. Uh, she, and I, I thought would have been more open minded to you know homeopathic or natural. Uh, remedies Mm -hmm. it's like well what do you want for your anxiety you know taking out the prescription pad I'm like I don't want anything from there (laughs) I don't want that (laughs) it's just so quick it's just it's just so they're just so quick to do that and uh, boggles my mind that we're still having this conversation and it's it but then again you know with everything going on Right now, it's like everything boggles my mind. So, right, I know. <laughs> What's news? Another day, another another shocker. Yeah, <laughs> another like head spinning um, day of the week. So, yeah. So why not? Let's ride this train and and um, normalize the conversation and, and let's Absolutely. use your book to help that happen. And I, and I think that you know. D- very difficult moments help to push the conversation and push the envelope further. And, you know, I think that's happened at different historical moments, um, you know, and, and that's happening now. Like, there are things that we were afraid to talk about before, and, and not just cannabis, but like mental health is, you know, has certainly been um, more uh, in the national conversation, I think, in the past like 10 years, but, but in the past few months, that has skyrocketed. You know, and I think that similar to cannabis, there's been this like, you know, gradual buildup where we're becoming more comfortable with certain states having legal programs and that kind of thing. And, you know, I interviewed someone for the book. She works for um, she works for a vape company in California. And so she, you know, she has her hands on the pulse of um, of cannabis in terms of like the sales side, but also the, the socializing side, because she's a mom and she's active in her community. And her, her mom friends know about her working for a cannabis company and using cannabis. 
And she was basically saying that the past few months, because I, I interviewed her probably in May, so it had only been a couple of months of the pandemic, maybe June. And she said something like, the past few months have erased like, you know, years and years of stigma <laughs> in terms of cannabis use for parents. Sure. I think so. I really do think so. Um, I think that because now beyond people on Instagram and Facebook and, and you know, anecdotal hearings, you know, listening to people talk and all of that, um, not hearings, you know what I meant, <laughs> conversations <laughs> and things like that. Um, beyond that, though. You know, just watching CNN or MSNBC or something like that, um, some, some a news channel, the conversations are going more toward uh, cannabis is a criminal justice issue. It's a healthcare issue. You know, mm -hmm. at least those two things are starting to be recognized. You know, I mean, just in the fact that just the fact that it became an essential business during all of this, I feel, is definitely changing the perspective um, on a national level. Absolutely. I mean, that and someone else that I interviewed for the book, who I think you've interviewed too, Jen Lauder, yes. um, mm -hmm. founder of Splim.com um, yeah. for pot, pot and parenting. Um, she's super cool. And she was saying that, um, you know, it's really ironic <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and great, however, that, you know, that something that was illegal 10 years ago, pretty much everywhere, except for, you know, isolated medical programs is now something you can break quarantine in legal states to go get. You know, I know she's in Portland and, you know, she was like, hey, I can break quarantine to go to the dispensary. Not that, that you know, that I'm recommending, but <laughs> you can always get delivery. Um, but, you know, the idea is, is that, yeah, that the stigma has greatly, greatly de decreased. And I think and I hope that, you know, once things return to, you know, more like normal, whatever that looks like after the pandemic, that that will stick. I really do right. think that. I think so as well. I, you know, I, I would even go so far as to say I, I really do believe it will because, I mean, the more we talk about the systems that need to be changed, the more we can't ignore the cannabis is a huge part of that. So, um, you know, I think if you're paying attention at least and you want to be on the right side of history, you'll start <laughs> helping that mm -hmm. conversation change and, and become more normalized um, because... It's, it's just, I think, you know, it's too soon to see how this will all play out, you know, on our mental health and all of that. Like there, there, there are, I'm sure some surveys like yours that exist that will give us like a preliminary idea, but we won't really know for another year or so how this is all really playing out on our mental health and, and other aspects of our life. But I think it'll be really interesting to see you know, if there is a really big difference in how um, people are using cannabis as families and as parents um, and how they all perceive it and then people that were opponents before all of this, wh where they're standing now. But anyway, I'm going mm -hmm. to stop rambling on. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we already basically said that. Thanks for restating the obvious. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, I was going to add actually to what you were saying. I was going to add that five states are voting this November on, on legalization. That's another five states. And some of them are really big, like, you know, New Jersey and Arizona. And you know that this is this is a train going in one direction in my view it's going yes. you know toward more access more openness you know more availability less stigmatization less criminalization but obviously we still have a long way to go <laughs> right absolutely um and so coming back to the book which is a definite tool and going in the right direction and 
and helping in that long way to go. Um, Danielle has been generous enough to offer some copies as a giveaway. So we're going to start with five copies, correct? Yes. And what you can do to enter is email your highness podcast at gmail.com and give us one or two sentences about how cannabis has helped you as a parent. And we will do a drawing at the end of January to determine the winners. Yep, that's right. Um, <laughs> thanks, Diana. I'm excited to share the story, really share the, you know, share the info that I have learned. And you know, even being a cannabis writer for a few years before writing this book, yeah. I learned so much. And like you were saying, I think that you know, longtime cannabis loving moms will also get something out of the book because there are lots of chapters on talking to other people and the social conversation and the history of prohibition and the science of cannabis and things that even if you love cannabis and have for a long time, you may not, um, you know, have already, you may not be familiar with already. So thank you yes. for this opportunity. Absolutely. Please come back. Well, you're coming back. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk more about this. And um, so you'll be back for part two and hopefully part three. We'll see how this all shapes up. But I am super excited to continue the conversation. And I'm so happy that you chose to spend time with me today and um, that you shared your, some of your expert knowledge. So do you have anything else that you'd like to promote before we go? Um, I don't actually. I'm <laughs> I'm a one trick pony right now. So. <laughs> hey, you have to focus on the book. That is the baby right now, you know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my third baby. Well, I guess fourth. Yeah, I have two kids and a dog. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all right, other babies, you have to take a back seat, right? Um, no, not really. But <laughs> my family's been really understanding about awesome. like me writing a book during a pandemic. And, yeah. <laughs> and what that that's entails. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very big undertaking, and um, so much respect for you. Um, so that's it for today. Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.